Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. We've got a fun one here for you today. Josh Landon returns to the show to talk about the tennis championships at Wimbledon. We get into the pomp, the tradition of the event. We break down Serena Williams' dominating victory for her 21st career major tournament win and her continued quest for uh, the calendar year Grand Slam. We also talk about Novak Djokovic's impressive win over the aging but crafty genius that is Roger Federer. And we look ahead to the U.S. Open, make some bold predictions for that one. So stick around. Enjoy the show. Hey, Josh, welcome back to The Big Game. Thank you. All right, so we're here to talk about the third uh, major tennis tournament of the season, Wimbledon, as, as we like to call it. It's also known as the Championships, which I think is super pretentious of them, but, but kind of <laughs> fun and silly. Uh, I think, you know, as, as a fan of most sports, I ascribe too much tradition to the role that tradition plays in, you know, everything. I mean, I still watch baseball, so I think, you know, that, frankly, that says how I feel about tradition the most right. is, is that I like it. Um, and I like more things to be traditional and like maintain their you know sense of continuity from year to year. And certainly Wimbledon probably looks the same today for the most part as it did you know a hundred years or however long they've been playing this tournament in England. But it still felt like it needed to be a little bit more fun, a little more levity to the to the tournament overall. I mean, Serena didn't even realize she won the title until about you know 10, 15 seconds after she won it. What did you make of just kind of the atmosphere of Wimbledon this year? Yeah, it was, um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel quite quite the same way, although um, I think part of the problem may be that we've, we, you know, the last few years, I mean, it's, it's really the same people, you know, every single year. And um, that's not necessarily a problem when it comes to Roger Federer because he's so, um, he's so well-loved um, in, uh, in London. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, an adult, a lot of the, I don't know, it was, you know, the energy was a little off this year, I thought. And uh, I don't know, it wasn't, I mean, it didn't even rain, really, well, you know, <laughs> during the whole tournament. Um, I do want know, to talk about the rain delay later, though, because I think it, I think it may have had a bigger impact on the, the final between Federer and Djokovic than yeah. a lot of people let on. But, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I don't think there were a lot of classic matches. I mean, I don't think the Wimbledon you know, really deals in levity that well to begin with. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, I don't mind the tradition of it either. I, I like it. I think it's, um, I think it's fun. I mean, it's a little affected, but you know, like you said, you're a baseball fan and so is wearing like <laughs> leg stirrups, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. it's like whatever, you know, it's a sport. Like they get, you get to pick the weird stuff that happens, you know, like men wear sleeveless jumpers in basketball and you know it, it, it's it, it, that doesn't really bother like the pomp of it doesn't really bother me um i don't know why it has to change you know i mean i i think it even brings in money so it's not like it's this situation where you know it's less popular than it was before i mean tennis isn't kind of in that that weird zone where it's almost unassailable because um it's never going to be one of the top four sports and it's never going to fall below like the seventh most beloved sport or something like that, you know? <laughs> well, you know, that's really interesting that you mentioned that because I, I, bringing up money is kind of as this fact that I've been holding on to and I didn't know where to drop it in the podcast, but I think this is kind of the perfect opportunity. Uh, I think Djokovic made about $3 million for winning, uh, winning the Wimbledon championship. Mm -hmm. And uh, Floyd Mayweather won 80 times as much money <laughs> for beating I, Manny Pacquiao in a fight yeah. that was like, 
just you know I, I, I just i think that was just an astounding fact i mean it's yeah it's Bach still a huge is, thing yeah. but yeah go ahead go ahead but you know, yeah it is crazy i mean you know but floyd Mayweather, like he fights what like once every two years now i mean he like doesn't um yeah i mean boxing is you can't compare boxing to anything because that is its own weird thing but like golf is kind of the same way where um you, you like never think of maybe it's because uh, golfers always seem so upper middle class <laughs> but you never think about golfers as people who win a lot of money for winning tournaments but i think when you win like the u.s open in golf it's like 2.5 million dollars too you know yeah, it's a ton yeah. of money or even the guy that comes in like 75th place you know probably takes home like what would be a yearly paycheck for for a lot of folks yeah, exactly. You know, I was just reading something about um, uh, the American who lasted the longest uh, in the uh, in the men's draw, who is uh, Dennis Kudla, and uh, he made it to the fourth round. And uh, embarrassingly, as, as a fan, as someone who grew up watching uh, you know, Agassi, Sampras, Todd Martin, Malby Washington, whomever, you know, consistently make the semis and the finals, you know, to see uh, like us not even make the fourth round for the first time, you know, or, or so we made the fourth round. We we made it the farthest we made it was the third round the last two years. Uh, but anyway, Kudla won um, two hundred thousand uh, dollars for um, for losing in the fourth round. That's a pretty uh, good. So. That's a pretty good take home. I think so too. That's because that's the round of sixteen, right? So that's like you know pretty. A lot of players left to beat. To, to you know, you're not even in the quarterfinals yet. Well, so let's let's move into. I want to briefly touch on Serena Williams. Her, I can't remember what the number was. Her like 22nd major tournament win uh, here on on which was on the yeah, Saturday of the 20, weekend. 20, 21st, maybe. Uh, in fact, I I know for a fact it's the 21st because uh, she has won. Because uh, I was looking her up on Wikipedia earlier for fun. Uh, <laughs> she she has won. Uh, three of the majors. She has won the Australian Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open six times, and she has won the French Open three times. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that puts her two behind, um, or one behind Steffi Graf for second most women's titles of all time, and I think three behind Margaret Court Smith, who has the all-time record. Well, I mean, she's had such a dominating career, and I mean, I think at 33 years old, I saw this stat too that she's now the oldest, I think, woman to win the championship at Wimbledon, or or yeah, like, I think or, that's or I think close that's true. to it. But yeah. she still totally kicked Garbine McGurs's ass in this, just like completely <laughs> yeah. destroyed her. Uh, she looks no different. I mean, there's absolutely no drop off. I mean, it's she looks as unbeatable now as she did. You know, I, I was just reading, like I said, on her Wikipedia page. Uh, not even preparation for this podcast, just be, just to do it because that was I don't know why, um, and I didn't realize her first U.S. Open win was in 1999. Oh wow! So yeah, 16 years ago, and um, I think she beat Martina Hingis in the final, um, and uh, yeah, it's just wild. I mean, there's there's really no drop off, and you know I think part of it is that she like kind of stopped trying for a while there. Like I don't know if you remember this, but like in the when she was in her late 20s, you know she kind of just. I don't know. She just disappeared for a couple of years, you know, <laughs> like it was just a weird time. And, um, that was kind of when Justine Henna was really, was really big. And mm-hmm. I don't know, just, um, uh, and then it was like, she just decided in, like at 31 or something to really care again. That's interesting. And I didn't know yeah, that. it is. And she's been destroying everybody for like, you know, three years now. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm excited now. I mean, I think the biggest storyline is, you know, her quest to complete the grand slam winning, you know, all, all four majors in one year. But I, but before we get to that, was was her match fun to watch for you? <laughs> uh, no, 
No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it was not as it was not, the French Open was kind of fun. Uh, the French Open was fun because she um, she came down with a case of nerves and she lost. She was up um, something like she you know she won the first set and she was up like five one in the second set or five two and she lost the set kind of inexplicably and um, she started like cursing at herself. And, like, she was so mad at herself and just so openly mad about it. I mean, she had no composure. Uh, but she was channeling it all into her tennis. And um, she basically won the third set, like, by, like, sheer dint of self-loathing. Hmm. Like, just, like, she, like, <laughs> her, her anger at herself was what compelled her to win that match. I feel like it's uh, a little bit of what Djokovic had going on, like, in the third and fourth set of his final. He was just kind of for, channeling that same sort of yeah, anger and frustration. And to the second set, into the third, yeah, for sure. Um, I know, I was just reading, I think it was Brian Phillips and Grantland, and he was talking about how he was, like, simultaneously, like, cursing himself out and also methodically taking little bites of his power bar, you know? <laughs> it, was like, it was like he was... He was very angry, and yet he was doing everything he could to recharge his body and win the match. Yeah, you know, for some was, reason, I thought he was eating grapes. So I started, like, narrating that for my friends, because I thought oh, he was just munching on grapes while he was yelling at himself. It's definitely something, because the guy is, like, super health-focused. So it was definitely, like, some sort of gluten-free cube of, you know, like, the kind of thing, like, they ate in Snowpiercer or something. Like, one of those, like, <laughs> gelatinous cubes uh, made of, like, you know whatever that was like... a, that was a really great piece of footage from the uh, espn crew um for, yeah. for me the most entertaining part of the match and i was like i was really tired i got up at like seven and i kind of remembered yeah, that, the, that it was on west coast time and i was like ah oh, shit i gotta put this on and uh and so then i'm watching i'm like and she's kicking her ass and mm -hmm. she's up five one i think in the second set and i'm like mm -hmm. you know like serving to uh just like take it home and she just kind of has this like 15 minute brain fart and just kind of yeah. like can't close it out and i was like oh this is just it was kind of like intellectually interesting to just kind of see her work through like trying to overcome whatever the hang-up was because it, it kind of felt like it was just closing it out was the most part because she was so dominant for the entire time and then she just kind of wasn't able to channel that um but then i thought it was a little deflating that that it was uh muguruza who just kind of defeated herself you know there yeah. at the end yeah, and I mean that's always the thing with Serena is that it, it never feels when she when she starts to lose in these matches it never feels like she's being beaten. Right, uh, exactly. She feels like it feels like she's losing to herself, and in some ways it's probably unfair to her opponents. I mean, it, you know, Serena is so expressive that um, you know when she's upset or when she feels like it's her fault or that she's not playing, you know, she's not performing to the top of her abilities. Uh, she she's like she basically says it, you know. I mean, like she like she yells at herself. She like she's like looking around, like she can't believe what's what what the you know yeah. Like she can't she can't believe where she is, what's happening, and so it you know kind of it's hard to give credit to the other person um, when the one person seems like it's all, you know it's sort of all on their shoulders, win or lose. That was exactly uh, how this one felt. It did, and uh, the French Open felt the same way. I think she just felt the pressure a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, she's the first. She's going for the first um, calendar year Grand Slam uh, since Steffi Graf uh, in the early 90s, 91 or 92. Uh, no, I think it was 92 because Steffi Graf actually had a, a Golden Slam, which is that she won all four majors and she won the U.S. Olympic gold, oh. uh, hmm. which is probably something that's never going to be topped. Granted, it, it was it was easier for her because someone had uh, stabbed um, Monica Seles the year before. 
and uh, the field was a little more open. Yeah. Uh, you know the story, right? Yeah, I guess there are always being asterisks on, on that Golden Slam. Yeah, and the, you, know, you know the person who stabbed her, he did it because he wanted Steffi Graf to ascend back to number one in the oh. world. Wow, no, I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it was a German, it was a crazed German fan who stabbed Monica Seles. And um, it was because he loved Steffi Graf so much, and then it actually worked. Uh, which is kind of, that's, that's, <laughs> kind of sick. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say to that. That's so <laughs> fucked up. Um, well, do you think, do you think you know, barring any sort of fan involvement, that she's going to take it home next month at the U.S. Open? You'd have to think so. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how you could, you could think. Uh, there's no one to compete with her yet, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's actually an American, Madison Keys, who's probably the one who's going to, eventually to throw on her uh she's uh 20 years old um just turned 20 uh and she hits as hard as venus or as serena and um you know she's got the you know she's well balanced you know I, I don't know i mean she's probably the greatest player ever and she's playing about the greatest female player ever and she's playing about as well as she can play, you know, so I don't know. I don't know how you beat that. I mean, she just have to get her on an off day, I guess. I mean, she almost lost in the third round of this tournament. Yeah, um, you know, that, was, that was a good match. That was yeah, that match. was a good match. But again, was it more just Serena versus herself? I guess, which is probably what we'll see. We'll probably see Serena versus Serena. In the <laughs> Although US it seemed like the, her opponent played pretty hard in that match. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, it can happen. I mean, you know, I guess in any. It seems like, yeah, in any given day, you know, I don't know, but uh, I, she'd have to be the favorite. I, I hope she does it. I mean, I, I, you know, I really like Serena. I really admire her. Um, you know, I admire the fire that she plays with. I hope she does it too, and I, and I think it's it's amazing to watch somebody at their most elite, which is kind of yeah. the, you know the thrill of watching Djokovic right now, just kind of mm-hmm. continue to reign. But really, what I'm most excited for is. Uh, you know, I'm wondering how Denny's will commemorate the Grand Slam victory. <laughs> Are we all going yeah. to get like a couple bucks off? It's a good know. question. I am always a, a dinner for breakfast person at Denny's, so I, <laughs> I won't be partaking. But if it gets me into a Denny's so that I can get my chicken fingers, uh, I'm like the only person who ever ate pot roast at Denny's. It's that is strange. I mean, I only get the Grand Slam when I go to Denny's. I think I, you probably want to steer clear of most of the rest of this. I, I'm actually going to cut that last line out because I'm I'm hoping that Denny's will sponsor the U.S. Open episode. Yeah, that, that that's true. You don't want you can't risk it. Um. All right, so let's move on to the men's, the gentlemen's final, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Federer going for his maybe last best chance at a major, as a lot of people like to maybe. say on the program, uh, versus Djokovic, who just proved that he's you know still the best tennis player in the world of you know the last two three years. What mm-hmm. did you think of this uh, fourth decision? Uh, I thought that. Um... I, you know, it was an interesting match. Uh, it was sort of a really exciting match until it ceased to be exciting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Suddenly, um, suddenly it was just uh, it was just a you know he just ran him over. Um, lost you know, the luster certainly, I, and I think yeah. specifically after the rain delay. Yeah, although I mean, he did he he'd already broken Federer's serve before the rain delay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so he was up a break going into it, and um, Federer actually had a chance uh, to break him. I think the second game, the third set, and he he didn't do it. I mean, Djokovic is just. Uh, I actually think Federer would have beaten any other player in the world except for Novak Djokovic in that final. Uh, <laughs> no, he I mean, he did look great. I mean, he was hitting you know good serves, but he was also kind of nimble and kind of hitting these soft drop shots. And, mm-hmm. it, and it looked like he was maybe going to find a way to outsmart 
Djokovic in this. But like you said, he had those opportunities to break his serve, and he just couldn't pull it off. I mean, he, I think he had an opportunity. Yeah. He was, was he up a break in the first set? And then he had a couple chances yeah. to go up a break in the, in the third. And it just, he just, and it never felt like he was going to do it either. It kind of felt like he was struggling to get there. It's true. He, and he probably shouldn't have won the second set. I mean, Djokovic had, I think, seven set points in that set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, he, could, he didn't capitalize. That, the, the tiebreaker of that second set was incredible. Uh, I was like, I was like clicking my heels. Like I was jumping up and down. I was so excited. Um, and it's kind of weird, actually. So I have this weird thing about, the, the way that I follow men's tennis, uh, particularly now, um, the last few years when, you know, as like a true, um, as a true patriot, uh, you know, I was written for the Americans and, uh-huh. uh, uh, but we haven't some, had an American... Some might not call that patriotism actually, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could you call it whatever you, as a, as a, as a jingoist, I want to yeah. spread the American message. Uh, I know. I mean, right now you, you can root for, there's almost nobody to root for. Uh, John Isner is uh, terrible. Um, I mean, he's just, he's tall and he's got a good serve, but he's got nothing else to his game. He's very slow. Um, he's not athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he never win a big match. He has no, there's no level for him. Like he can't find another gear. He mm-hmm. just plays as well as he can. And that's almost always good enough to get to the third round. And that's it. Um, and it's infuriating. Uh, the other the guy who's pretty good is Jack Sock, who's um, ranked in the thirties, uh, mm-hmm. won his first tournament this year. He's 22. Um, and he might be good. I mean, the weird thing about men's tennis is that, um, you know, it's really hard to know um, who is going to be really, really good at any given point because the way that they mature now is, I mean, if you look at the top, like, 25, I don't think there's anyone younger than 24 in there, uh, which is a pretty stark contrast with the, the top 25 for the females. Hmm. Um, and, you know, just the game is so muscular and athletic now that, it, you know, you can see guys like Marion Cilic who suddenly – at you know 25 or 26 are winning majors you know or you know, even someone like Nishikori who's been around for several years is now like in the top five you know and so and Stan Wawrinka I mean he just won his second major at 30. I mean Stan Wawrinka was around for 12 years you know and nobody I think that kind of aligns you know, though with, with the sports philosophy that's you know you kind of reach your mental and physical peak at 28 29 it's the point where you are are so good at, at doing the motions and also you're doing them all unconsciously you know what I mean you're, there's there's no longer yeah. any sort of thought process inhibiting your your play you're just you have the experience to do it instinctively almost I think that's yeah I think that I think that is true and I think that's why when these guys announce themselves they stay you know really good for a long time but I, it doesn't seem like we've had that player who at 18 suddenly announced, I mean, you know, Federer won his, you know, the first, first one building at like 20 or 21. And, yeah. you know, Rothman Adal won uh, the French open at 18 or 19. And even, I think Djokovic won the Australian open at like 19. So, so you think maybe way, this, this as trio, I'm, talking about, I'm realizing that I know way more about tennis than I thought <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, well, so, I mean, I, I feel like you're saying that Federer, Nadal and Djokovic, like once this trio kind of ages out of, of competition, that there's really no true tennis genius left yet. Yeah, yeah. Although Djokovic is only 28, he's a few years younger than those guys. Uh, so I think I think he'll stay good for longer. I mean, the guy is like, he's got the body of like a robot or something. You know, he's so <laughs> like, there's no, there's not a, like an ounce of fat on him, and um, I mean, he's so um, he's like, what, what's the race? He's so agile. You know, I mean, it's just amazing watching him behind the court. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know who. Um, 
I don't know who it would be. I mean, there's like this guy born at Korich who's like 18 or 19 who I think he's Bosnian and he, mm-hmm. my, but there's no one who's whoever one is saying this is the guy, like this is the one. Um, so it is sort of interesting time. I mean, it's kind of the twilight for like all these players, um, at least for, well, certainly for Nadal. Um, I mean, Federer, who knows, right? I mean, you know, he made the final of Wimbledon last year and, um, everyone thought that was his last best chance, and then he made the final again this year, and he, you know, waxed Andy Murray in the semifinals. And I mean, if anybody can beat Djokovic, I, he can beat anybody but Djokovic, basically. So yeah. if somebody can beat Djokovic, if someone plays out of their mind, I mean, that's like, why we have rankings, right? Number one, number two. That's, that's mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that number two is always going to beat number one, or you know, has a chance to be. I mean, this. There's yeah. the number one guy, and then there's the number two guy. And if they meet, then you know who's probably going to win. Exactly. So if, if you know, Djokovic and Andy Murray meet in the semis of the U.S. Open, and Andy Murray has the match of his life and, you know, gets exhausted after a five-set match against Djokovic, then, yeah, I think um, I think uh, Roger Federer could win the U.S. Open in, in two months. Yeah, I'm excited, uh, I'm excited for that tournament. I think... I think it'll be fun to watch. I I always kind of forget about tennis until I read your like social media feed, and then I remember that like <laughs> big tennis events are happening. And and I, it sucks I'm not in New York anymore to go to the U.S. Open, but I'm I'm definitely going to watch it a little bit closer this year. I think. Yeah, it's I yeah I go back and forth. I mean like I I've become a much bigger fan in the last couple of years. For, I mean I've always been a big fan, but I I feel like I'm I'm following even like minor tournaments more closely now, and <laughs> like I don't know why. Actually, Grand Rapids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever been busier either, but for some reason I just find myself following. I think it's just the thing you do. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're you're you know you're scrolling through ESPN.com, and so I've got my little tennis, you know, my little my little tennis bots to click on, and then I just see who won. And I have a hypothesis. Like, you know, for you. I have a hypothesis yeah. for you, right? All right, let's hear it. You and I are both big soccer fans. I think we've talked in the past about being in a fantasy soccer league together. Uh, uh, this is kind of the prime off season for the Premier League. So, mm-hmm. so you free up a little bit of your schedule on these weekends to maybe devote yourself to, you know, the, the French Open and Wimbledon and, and the U.S. <laughs> Open before you kind of kick back into Premier League mode. I think that's all. I think that's all this is, Josh. That's true. I, this is just my way to stay in game shape. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's probably true. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I know. I'm trying to go to the U.S. Open this year. We're actually in vacation the first week. And um the first week is the week to go. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever had a grounds pass at the U.S. Open, but it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's incredible fun. experience. I've actually I've, I've been to Wimbledon too. Um, I had a ground pass grounds pass there. Um, I guess four years ago, um, and it's, it's really cool there. You actually just um, they have a queue system, and uh, tickets are actually extremely um, affordable. As it was something like fifteen pounds, mm-hmm. and um, but you just have to wait in line for hours. You know, it's like waiting at a at a roller coaster or something. You just you stand and you wait for two and a half, three hours, and the, the queue moves extremely slowly, and then suddenly you're in. And um, yeah, so I, uh, and so you can't, you know, you can't go into the top matches, but then um, people will often, if you hang out outside one of the key courts, people will just give you their tickets as they walk out. Oh, uh, nice. Well, I mean, yeah, so, so, so kind of them. <laughs> so I saw Marty Fish beat Thomas Burdich uh, in a fourth round match uh, to, to make the quarterfinals. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, and uh, it was a bit of an upset. Is Marty Fish and, still playing? And 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 to you know, a second part of that question, part two, is Andy Roddick still playing? Uh, Andy Roddick has retired. Uh, he retired almost three years ago, actually. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, he retired a little young. That's embarrassing. Um, still married to Brooklyn Decker, impressively. <laughs> I don't know. I can't believe that's still happening. 
uh, and he um, is, uh, I think he's a commentator now. He actually, so this is one thing, this is like, this will betray what a true tennis nerd I am. So uh, there is a podcast called BBC Radio 5 Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it's a, it's a podcast. It's it's um, it's a podcast for the show Five Live, and um, they do a lot of different coverage. But a couple times during Wimbledon, they do these Colin shows, and it's called Six Love Six. And the Collins are um, John McEnroe and Tim Henman, and they field questions from um, from people for about an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And John John McEnroe is really curmudgeonly and like yells at people when they call in and. It's definitely um, my favorite part of any tennis tournament. Is, is yeah, exactly. So, but it's like I know summer is here when I listen to the Six Love Six Johnny <laughs> Mac Collin show. Uh, it's like, I mean, this is for like going back to this trip to London four years ago when I first heard it, I think in real time. And uh, so every year I like wait around and I download these episodes of the podcast and it's just, it's like heaven. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm aware of how weird that sounds. No, that's a great, I think that's a great recommendation for uh, big game listeners that are also, you know, uh, nerdy tennis fans like yourself. Yeah, there are, there are other good tennis podcasts too. There's the uh, uh, <laughs> no, no Challenges Required, which is uh, Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times and Courtney Gwynn, who's a writer for Sports Illustrated. And uh, they have a weekly tennis podcast, uh, which is. Um, worth listening but maybe only if you're a really big fan actually that that reminds me of something i wanted to talk about uh i love instant replay in tennis i think it's probably the only sport that has like perfected its use and like uh totally enmeshed it with the way the sport like so there's just there's just no more arguing it's just you, you either made the shot or you missed the shot and let's move on and it's all instantaneous and i just i love how efficient instant replay is in tennis it really it kind of ended the arguments yeah. Right. I mean, when we grew up, like people would argue with the refs. It was like a real thing. Um, not just Johnny, not just McEnroe, but everybody. You know, I mean, it was just a huge part of the game. I feel like now I'm contradicting myself. I feel like I started the show and I was and I was a little bit bored, and and now I'm saying that that the boring things that they've done uh, have made it better. So I, I don't know where I stand on this anymore. <laughs> All right. So let's look ahead to the U.S. Open again a little bit. Are there any? young american tennis players that we should be watching throughout the tournament and then also who do you think we're going to see in the finals for both the men's and the women's yeah some of the young americans um you'd probably have to be watching the first day uh or even qualifying which is the week before i just realized i could go to qualifying i'm going to do that justin i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) i think i think it's free you just have to get yourself up to the flushing flushing meadows nice uh so um there, yeah, there actually are a few, um, a few t- tennis players who are like 18, 17, 18, 19 uh, in the men's game who are, uh, who actually like we could have a new wave, like a, I don't know if it's quite Sampras Agassi level, but like a bunch of top t- like twenty quality players. Um, there's a guy who just won the, uh, just won Wimbledon. His name is Riley uh, Opelka. And he is, uh, he won Wimbledon juniors, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is uh, 18. And he's from Michigan. Which excited me, <laughs> and uh, he's six eleven, so he's got this uh, gigantic serve, and um, he's got a, a good backhand. It's like Peter Crouch uh, on a tennis court. It is, yeah, or um, a little bit like John Isner, but apparently he can actually play a little tennis as opposed <laughs> to just serving well. Uh, there is uh, this guy named Taylor Fritz, who people are really excited about. Uh, he made the finals of the French Open Juniors, and um, is uh, just I don't know. Everyone, everyone's really high on him. Uh, this is guy Francis Tiafoe, uh, who I highly recommend reading about because it's a fascinating story. 
he's one of the top juniors in the world, and um, he is from Maryland, and he got into the game because his father was a janitor at the uh, tennis center in Maryland. Wow. And uh, he picked up a racket one day. Like, I guess he would, you know, the kids would, would hang out when, the, when his dad was working late, and uh, they hit around a little bit just to play, and somebody, like, took him under his wing and uh that's some goodwill hunting stuff right there yeah yeah exactly it turned out he was a prodigy and uh so <laughs> he's someone that i think everyone's really rooting for and um would you know would love to uh, all the american tennis fans are really hoping we'll i love the idea of just finding a prodigy like in in the space that you know that he could excel at whatever you know whether it's like chess or drawing or painting or music or whatever but just like just kind of like stumbling <laughs> across a prodigy somewhere yeah, or, or being one yourself, right? I and mean, the idea is irresistible. It's like you want to try everything just in case. Yeah, that's true. I guess there, there are probably still a few things left I need to try just to make sure that I don't have a, a hidden skill I've yet to unlock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I need to like actually try drawing like on a canvas or something just to make sure I'm not like a... <laughs> just don't spend a lot of money on like acrylic paint first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go slow, like crayon on, <laughs> on canvas. Um, yeah, so, uh, so those are a few. Um, and then... Um, uh, Madison Keys on the women's side, who's already, um, who I mentioned earlier, is uh, she's only 20 and uh, she's already in the top 20, and she's arguably the hardest hitter on the tour, um, and uh, she just needs to, you know, get a little more match experience. But I think she's probably the next top uh, American woman, so keep an eye out for her. Uh, and then, yeah, my my prediction, you know, I think um, just for fun, I'm going to um, I'm going to assume that my prediction comes true and that. Djokovic loses to Murray in a five-setter in the U.S. Open semifinals, and then Murray is so exhausted that he <laughs> loses to Roger Federer in the uh, U.S. Open finals. I like it. I think that would be entertaining. Yeah, and I'll and I'll and I'll, I'll predict uh, Serena Williams over Madison Keys in the U.S. Open um, women's final. Yeah, straight sets. Straight sets. <laughs> Excellent. All right. <laughs> Thank you for coming back to the big game to talk about tennis. And uh, if if you want, I'd love to have you back to talk about the U.S. Open. Sure, I'd love to. All right, excellent. See ya. All right, see ya. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review if you like what you hear. Drop us a line on Twitter, at BigGamePod. And check out our website, BigGamePod.com, to go back and listen to all of our past episodes, including the college football championship with our guest on today's show, Josh Landon. Tune in next week for more on the big game.